Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Human Development Zone, brought to you by the Education Support Forum. Today, we're privileged to have Natalie Bitature, uh, an innovator and entrepreneur based in Uganda. How are you, Natalie? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you very much for your patience. We've been trying to have this interview, uh, and uh, finally it has happened. So great things are going to happen, yes. <laughs> thank you for having me. Sure. So tell me, uh, who is Natalie, and what uh, what do you do with your organization? Is it called Musana Cuts, I believe? Yes. So Musana Cuts... It's a solar-powered street vending franchise business here in Kampala, Uganda. Mm -hmm. We provide a street food vending unit. So like a hot dog stand, but for African street food. Oh, okay. The most popular street food in Uganda is called Rolex. Okay. It's a chapati with an omelette and mm -hmm. um, a bit of salad in the middle, and it's rolled up like a burrito. Wow. So rolled eggs became Rolex in our slang. <laughs> and so Musana Cards <laughs> supports street food vendors by mm. giving them training in customer yeah. service and marketing, in hygiene and food sanitation, wow. and in financial record keeping as well. Wow. We also build physical carts, the units that they can buy, mm -hmm. and um, they have a solar panel on top and a lithium-ion battery. Some of them have fridges if that's what the vendors want. Mm -hmm. And we provide gas stoves for the vendors as well. Wow. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. And I see you've won uh, a few accolades uh, because uh, this innovation is so amazing that it reduces carbon emissions and, and you've been able to actually quantify the amount of uh, money saved and uh, uh, the pollution reduced. Can you tell me more about that? So most street food vendors in Uganda use charcoal stoves. That's very typical here in sub-Saharan Africa. But as you mentioned, that's terrible for the vendor's health, for the people around them, and also for the environment. So every vendor that we switch onto a Masana cart, we convert, and then they start using a gas stove instead, and also the solar panel provides a light bulb. Mm -hmm. So we're currently trying to collect and see how many carbon that we're swapping out every year and converting vendors to something that's more sustainable like gas. Wow, wow. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. So, um, now I'm going to try and link uh, two issues that uh, are, are central to Africa. They are critical to Africa, which are youth and health, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, by you caring for the, for the climate and for the environment, uh, you are indirectly uh, promoting health. And with the youth bulge, you know, I mean, uh, the statistics show that say, about 60% of the population in Africa is below 24 years of age, right? So uh, what do you think? Do you think there's a future for Africa's youth and are they going to be healthy enough to be productive? I think health is a major concern. We've made great strides over the last 20 years as most sub-Saharan African countries with health, which is why I think we have such a big youth bulge. In our culture, we typically have many children per family because the children would die before the age of five. Mm -hmm. But because the healthcare has improved so much across the continent, mm -hmm. because of the governments and the NGOs and all the aid work, now children are living, which is why we're faced with a new opportunity 
with a huge youth population that needs work, that needs housing, that needs education. And this, this youth are the people who are going to be able to carry Africa to the future if we are able to provide these opportunities and chances and training for the youth in Africa. Wow, wow. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then, um, I mean, wherever you go now, I see you were at the World Bank uh, sometime. Uh, and uh, you've been to so many conferences. I bet you've been to one where they talk about the future of work uh, to say technology, if if we don't upskill our youth, technology is going to take over and we will not be ready for the fourth industrial revolution. So do you think we are on the right trajectory? I mean, I mean you could maybe speak about Uganda or if you have a view on the uh, on the continent basically do you think we are doing taking the right steps in preparing our youths for the fourth industrial revolution? Um I would give examples for example Rwanda and Kenya I think they're doing a lot more than Uganda when it comes to preparing us for this new industrial revolution mm -hmm. because we need more digital skilling for the youth in Africa. Our unemployment among youth in Uganda has passed 70%. It's a big crisis that we have here mm -hmm. and the government is doing what they can and the private sector is now also being called upon to step up and find how we can create more jobs. Uganda is the most entrepreneurial country in the world, but we still have one of the highest unemployment rates amongst youth in the world because we're not innovating fast enough. Our Ministry of ICT is one of the newer ones, and they're trying to put in a lot of money and a lot of effort to see how we can get digital skills to Ugandans, but mm -hmm. it's not happening at the speed that we need to. I use Rwanda and Kenya as examples because I know Kenya has opened thousands of vocational schools in the mm -hmm. last year, wow. and Rwanda is also moving very fast with innovation and using tech and digital platforms mm -hmm. to streamline the entire government process. Wow. So I think... We have an opportunity as Africans to learn from other countries that were ahead of us developmentally. Mm -hmm. We don't need to make the same mistakes as them. For example, if you look at mobile money in Kenya and Somalia, it's mm -hmm. leaping much faster than typical regular banking has gone. Yeah. More Africans now are connected to a mobile money bank than they will ever be to a physical bank with a branch and an account. So there are many areas where we can use technology and digital training to leapfrog some of the de developmental challenges that we face, especially because our population is so young, we are able to learn these things quite quickly and mm -hmm. quite easily and use them down the cost and the loss of doing things the old-fashioned way. Wow, wow. Okay, so I know that you are coming in, uh, in December to Johannesburg for the uh, Gates Foundation's uh, Goalkeepers. What are your expectations for this event? What do you ex what do you expect to see or value uh, exchange? Yeah, what's what are your expectations? Um, I'm very excited and honored to be invited to participate. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, it's a one day workshop more than a conference. Mm -hmm. So I imagine we'll be spending a lot of time with each other and sharing ideas and experiences from across the continent and possibly across the world, depending on the size and the context for it. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed by the Gates Foundation for focusing on the SDGs and for having local champions from different countries who are working to achieve them by the, tar the set targets and also to help us to speak together because we can learn so much from each other because our context is so much more similar here in Africa, yeah. better than learning from other countries with different kinds of political climates or weather climates or economies. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I think it will be really useful, and I'm very excited to learn more and meet different people that are working in the same field. Wow, wow. So so now um, you find that the Gates Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, have poured quite a lot of money into uh, health and education in Africa. But there's a problem that almost 85% of funding, philanthropic funding and uh, for, for developmental purposes, is coming from overseas. Do you think our local business people, our local uh, uh, established people are doing enough to, in plowing back into their own communities? I think we have a big problem of attitude in Africa, which comes from our culture and the, uh, the mindset of scarcity that many of our parents' generation grew up with. Mm-hmm. We also have a dependency attitude because... For example, I'm not yet 30. So my whole life, we've had the same president in Uganda. Mm-hmm. We've had the same aid system where these NGOs providing most of the things that we have right now. Mm-hmm. We have lots of foreign companies building the infrastructure and doing all the development. So you don't have a lot of Ugandan leaders or champions who are doing the things that need to be done for our country. Mm-hmm. So you don't grow up with the examples or the experience mm-hmm. like you would if you lived in another country. Yeah. For example, I recently worked on a financial literacy training program in a rural area, and most people want to be paid to attend a workshop that is financial literacy training for them. Mm. Because a lot of the NGOs have quotas that they have to fill, the amount of people they train, otherwise their funding gets cut, they pay the participants to attend. Because also there's a lot of issues of transport and Mm. how they'll get there and where they'll stay for the duration of the training. So now we have this attitude of, if you don't pay me up front, I'm not going to attend your course. Mm. And I was really shocked the first day because this was an initiative that was funded by a foundation and we were just doing it sort of as a CSR project. Mm. And the attitude of the beneficiaries was shocking to me. But the more time I spent with entrepreneurs, especially Mm. with the time I've spent with street food vendors in markets in Kampala, yeah, it's a bit different in Kampala because by the time you live in the city, you're used to earning your keep. You know, you're used to providing for your family, and the street food vendors we work with typically are the breadwinners of their homes. Mm-hmm. But when you move out of Kampala, to the majority of the population, it's a big attitude problem. Yeah. I don't think we are doing enough as young Ugandans to invest in our own future. Yeah. I know some countries have gone to more extreme routes like Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. where they refuse to work with the Western countries, but we are in a position of, I don't want to say at a loss because mm-hmm. we do need them, but we also have a great opportunity where we can also provide a lot of things and come mm-hmm. up with a lot of our own solutions. But yeah. without the opportunity for training, exposure, and then funding, it's hard for Africans to come up with African solutions. Mm. Wow. So, I mean... Um... There's a paper that just came out from uh, <clears throat> the African Leadership uh, Institute that says that generally the youth in Africa are not at the center. They are not at the table uh, where decisions are made. You know, even decisions about the youth are being made by 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds. Uh, should What should the youth do? to be able to be influential? I mean, should they go all go into politics? What should, what should you, you do, you know? I totally agree with this. You know, with African culture, firstly, we respect our elders almost to a fault. <laughs> I know that. So one. at the moment, <laughs> right? Mm. So at the moment, our elders are the ones making all the decisions. The average age of our president is over 65 mm. in most countries, yet the average age of a citizen is under 25. 
So it's not that they, they don't mean well. Of course, they do it to their country, but they're not invested in the future the way that we should be. They mm-hmm. can't make decisions and policies that are going to affect us when they will not be here to leave it out. It's not going to be them who has to do it or live by those rules. Yeah. But we also have to take responsibility. We don't do enough. If you look at Uganda, we have one of the largest parliaments in the world, over 400 members of parliament. Wow. We have youth representatives, wow. but they're less than 10%. Mm. And people are so discouraged by the state of politics. Every time I try to encourage someone who is under the age of 40, stand, yeah. be a, a member of your community who is a good citizen and who is speaking for their people. Mm. No one is encouraged to because of the way the system is. You're almost swimming against a, a, a tide. Like the wave is going the other way and it has been like that for the last 50 years. So what are you going to do, you as one person? Mm-hmm. So I think the sort of demotivation and attitude problems with the youth, if we took more responsibility to be engaged citizens, mm-hmm. to know our rights and what we're able to do, and engage in the local politics, in the local communities, in the local economy where you live, the businesses around you, the schools around you, the hospitals around you, if we can engage more as youth and take an interest in our future, rather than have this attitude of someone else will solve our problems, whether mm-hmm. it's an NGO bringing aid or mm-hmm. it's a government with an 80-year-old person who's making a decision for you. We can't have this attitude of someone else is going to figure it out for us yeah. because very soon it will be us in the position to lead and we won't know what to do and we won't have a plan and we won't inputting and participating when someone else was making that plan. Mm. Yeah. So as a young lady who has been enlightened, who has been exposed to uh, what can be, right? Uh, and you're already working with vendors uh, through Musana Cuts. How can you scale and mobilize the rest of the youth to see the way you see things and also to have one of the street vendors uh, being listed on the Uganda Stock Exchange or the London Stock Exchange <laughs> selling almost like KFC because KFC does exactly the same that they're doing on the street. That's very true. Before, when um, I started the company, my co-founder is actually French. We went to business school in California together. Okay. And the American attitude is scale, scale. Go as fast as you can. How many millions of street vendors can you have in the next five years? Mm. And that was what we were working towards at first. But the more time we actually spend with the vendors in the field doing what we are doing, mm. the more you get to know each person and their story and their background and what motivates them and why they do this and how they want to grow. Yeah. So the new position we have is not the more carts, the better. It's not about mm. profit. It's not about the visibility of Musana and hundreds of carts across the city. Yeah. It's about the impact that carts can have. Yeah. It's about knowing what vendor is working for and what he's trying to do for his community, for his family, mm. and shine that example. Because I feel like, you know the expression, do as I do, not as I say? Mm-hmm. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> um, it's easier for people to learn by your example. Yeah. So if we can show how these vendors, from the backgrounds that they have with very little education, who just tried and took a chance and started a business, can be successful and grow and have a stable work environment, can work with dignity and respect and not be harassed and arrested or disrespected or cause food poisoning in their communities, mm. it makes a big difference for their peers. So it can inspire another person to start a business or to start a street food business to wow. find a way to earn a stable income for their family, for their community. 
So wow. I feel like it's also about showing how it can be done. Wow. One of the things I do personally, because I've been exposed and had the opportunities that I've had, is to speak to as many youth as I can mm-hmm. and answer their questions and see if I can help them understand a problem from a different perspective so that they can solve it for themselves. Wow. It's just about people opening up what they already have within their own minds to mm. know how to fix their own problems. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to ask you as the last question. It's a, it's more of a hypothetical question, right? Uh, if you had a magic wand and you had all the powers in the world, what two things would you change that would uh, uplift African lives? Honestly, I'll change the education system. <laughs> uh, education. I think we need to do a lot more critical thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uganda's education system is the same one that the British left, essentially. It's only mm-hmm. had a few changes. And the mode of teaching and the skills that are being taught are not practical or useful in the, this century, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think we would need to overhaul our education system, if I'm speaking for Uganda. Mm-hmm. I think for Africa in general, we would need to have a different style of doing things. Mm-hmm. In the States, I always was very appreciative and impressed by the co-working spaces, different Mm -hmm. sort of hubs, different incubation centers, accelerators. I went to a a university in Australia that had a business hub that was open to students from all across the university. It doesn't matter what you're studying, not only business. And it just creates an environment where people want to try, where you can have the opportunity to learn something different and test it out and make it practical for the world. Wow. So I think we need to create a different kind of space, mm. maybe not only in a school, mm. but this is where it ties in with the economy, with the healthcare, with the different labor departments in the government, private mm. sector. We need to come together and collaborate to make better solutions for the future. Wow. Wow. Ah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Natalie. Uh, what an, am- what amazing insights you've given us and shared with our <laughs> listeners. Uh, We'll meet in December at the Goalkeepers event. That's uh, courtesy of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, thank you very much for the wonderful work. And I hope that uh, you are going to keep impacting the people of Uganda. And also, please spread out to the other African countries. We need people like you, definitely. So thank you very much. Thank you, Esai. My pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care.